Welcome to Massive Late Fee, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. It is November 19th, 1994. This is Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. It's been uh, some exciting times and we love you. We love all the the feedback that we've been getting from our our numerous fans out there. We do love and appreciate you, especially, you know, those of you that actually give us the likes. Are you are you excited for Christmas, Carol? It's coming. Christmas, Carol. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yes. I'm super excited. What are you going to get me? I don't know. Maybe a what are those uh, those things you put in your hair, the the butterfly type? What? Maybe I'll get one of those for you. A, a hair clip? I don't know. I'm not gonna no the the special jelly ones or whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not going to tell you what I'm gonna get you though. You know that. Doesn't stop me from asking. I don't fall for that kind of stuff. What do you want for Christmas? That's a hmm. more interesting question. What do I want for Christmas? I want the next season of 90210. Uh, On uh, VHS? Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we can arrange that. What do you want for Christmas? I want... I don't know. I I honestly don't know. You never know. He is like the hardest person to shop for, and he doesn't help at all. Well, I don't... There's not a lot of things that that I like. You know, I mean, you know what? You know what would be cool? CDs. Yeah. You know what bands I like? Yeah. And I got that new CD player, so. Okay. That's that's a good idea. Uh, What I didn't want for Christmas, though, Carol, was was a remake of A Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. But a remake of Miracle on 34th Street we got (laughs) starring a man named Dylan McDermott and uh, Mara Wilson. Do you you recognize Mara Wilson? I I don't. Elizabeth Perkins is in this, too. Mara Wilson was the youngest daughter in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, okay. She's cute. According to Frank Bruni, uh, the the Detroit Free Press movie critic, it's outstanding. He ranked it four out of four. Wow. And says that it, it, it captures the magic of the original... 1947 Natalie Wood film. I don't, I don't know about that. But here's I the question. It, so I guess I can't say. But if the original 1947 Natalie Wood film mm-hmm. was magic, why do we need to recapture it? Why can't we just watch that again? That's the beauty of having VHS tapes. Yeah, and you know they could just re-release it in the movie theater. Yeah, but I guess they want. A, they figure new actors might. Might, uh, I don't know. They're creatively bankrupt. I don't know. <laughs> That's more like it. But it's it's basically, it's, it's, it's a retelling. It's a remake. So it's a retelling of the, of the original story. I just, like you said, I mean, the original is such a, such a fantastic film. It really is. And I just don't, I'm not interested in seeing another version of it, to be honest. Yeah. Even though I do like, what's her name from? Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, hopefully, you know, they'll learn from this and they won't try to keep remaking movies. You know, just let it be. 
You know what they're not remaking, though? Huh? Is Betamax. Okay. Our next story is that Betamax says, remember Betamax? It's no. still alive and well. Well, yeah. You So now my dad bought us a Betamax. I know you don't. Re- you, you didn't have one. Nope. So. But you know what they are, though, don't you? No. Okay, well, it's it's like a VHS, but it's they're shaped a little differently. They look more like, do you remember, you remember 8-tracks? Yes. They look a little like that. Okay. Uh, they're a little smaller. They're, well, a little, I don't know, they're chunkier. Hmm. And they, apparently, they're better quality. Really? Yeah, they just didn't have the best marketing department. But that's what I hear is that the... The channel, or the not the channel, the the picture is clearer. Huh. Well, that sucks. I wish that uh, they still did those then. Well, apparently they still are doing them. Hmm. So it's, uh, this guy says, this guy, Bob Talbert, says that uh, in Dearborn at Adray Appliance, uh, he's sold 385,000 beta movies. Wow. Making it the number two beta tape dealer in the country. Go for Good for him. Behind New Jersey's Brower Trading. So he he got a bunch of movies, a huge catalog of MGM movies, including Gone with the Wind. Uh, basically, people that still had Betamax, they heard about it and they were like, hey, um, you know, let's we're going to go. We're going to go to this place because, you know, it's hard to find tapes. That's the. Unfortunate thing, if you bought a Betamax, it's hard to find tapes around because everyone went to to VHS. So, you know, you can get tapes from this guy. So if you've got a Betamax, you know, go to uh, George Bednar, uh, you know, over in Dearborn, his place called uh, Adray's, A-D-R-A-Y, apostrophe S. uh, And you can... You can get some some Betamaxes for as little like as little as ninety nine cents. Um, is he paying you for this? Because no. that is a hell of a lot of advertisement for this stranger. No, I'm just I'm just saying. You know, might as well, uh, might as well steer him in that direction. But uh, although that's a good idea, we should we should approach people about about stuff like this. Maybe I'll charge him. Hmm. Uh, but as and do you, you think we have enough people listening to make it worth it? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, how many of these tapes do we really get out there? Like, I, I mean, how many? Like, there's hundreds, quite there's quite a thousands. Few. Yeah, there's quite a few. Wow, thank you guys. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. But uh, it goes up to five ninety nine. That's the the highest uh, tape, and I guess he gets new titles every week. Hmm, good for him. They got uh, thirty National Geographic stuff. There's uh, Shane's on there. There's uh, the Star Trek stuff is is on there apparently. Oh, the Star Trek stuff. Yeah, that's what we're gonna be talking about. Yes, we will. The other so uh, MTV. Uh, speaking of a movie that we saw, MTV did in interviews with Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, and Christian Slater separately. Oh, cool. And apparently, according to Liz Smith, it was quite a a difference in styles. Hmm. Tom Cruise is all smiling, movie star politeness. Right. Which, you know, is not not unheard of from him. Uh, then there's Christian Slater, uh, who, who she says appears eager and puppyish. <laughs> and then Brad Pitt uh, is really a hoot. Couldn't be more different from the questing, eternally depressed Louis, Louis 
from interview. So Brad Pitt is is that new? He's the new. He's the newness. The newness. Well, he's you know he's the new dude on the scene. Okay. But I mean, he's he's definitely interesting, but I wouldn't call him new. Oh, you wouldn't? No, yeah, he's been around forever. Fucking ridiculous. Why wouldn't you call him new? I don't know. What's he been in before Interview with a Vampire that you wouldn't call him new? Um. Well, I was thinking um, Thelma and Louise. Yeah, he, he played a very bit role in, Thel- in Thelma and Louise for like five minutes. Uh-huh. But he's not new, obviously. Ugh, ridiculous. And I remember him from that bit role. Mm-hmm, okay. You want to hear your horoscope? Sure. What are you again? I'm a Gemini. <laughs> I know. Uh, you've been held back by duty or by feeling below par for the past few days. The weekend sees a return to your usual verve. Hmm. A weird phrase. Mine is others have been taking advantage of you, but you're strong enough to let it pass. Two work better than one. Kind of like this show. Wow. Yours is heavy. Yeah. You want to... uh... (laughs) This is funny to me, too. So, today's test. Do you remember what you've read in your free press this week? (laughs) Why was Dale Cimenti in the news? Apparently, he was lost at sea for 51 hours and sued the travel agency. Oh, wow. Was it their fault? Well, it's so it says he's a Troy man. He went to Cozumel, Mexico in February, rented a jet ski tripe craft offshore. It conked out and he drifted away to be saved eventually by a passing freighter. Wow. So he he rented this thing from their, their service and it, it just died. That's awful. Poor guy. Why was Leonard Jeffries in the news? So here, here are your choices. Obstetrician direct. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Obstetrician directed care of Engler triplets. Okay. Governor Engler's triplets. Uh, professors, what's that say? Demotion. Oh, de- professors demotion uh, case revived by court, or shareholder made demands of Chrysler Corporation. Uh, let's go triplets. Uh, incorrect. Okay. It's number uh, number two. Uh, the Supreme Court reopened the case of New York professor accused of making an anti-Semitic talk uh, and demoted. A court had awarded him $360,000. Wow. Uh, number three, uh, Timothy Johnson. Why was he in the news? Uh, lost at sea for 51 hours. Travel <laughs> agency. We know it's not that one. <laughs> uh, obstetrician directed care of English triplets or a shareholder made demands of Chrysler Corp. You pick this time. Or you can see the answers? Yes. Oh, uh, Chrysler. Nope. That's Dr. Johnson of Angler's Triplets. Oh, okay. And then finally, what about Kirk, uh, Kirkorian? Obstetrician directed care of Angler's Triplets? No. Professors, uh, okay, well, I guess the, <laughs> this is dumb, because if you know the answers, it's, it's, we know it's not the professor, uh, demotion revived by court, so he must be a shareholder. Who made demands of Chrysler Corp, and he is. Okay. Kikorian, already largest shareholder, wants Chrysler to boost value of its stock 
and let him buy some more. <laughs> now, the last thing on this page that I think is, is somewhat interesting, it says trivia, but it's not really trivia. I mean, it is trivia, I guess, but it's not, you don't, it's not questions. They're just, it's like little morsels of information. So I guess I could make you guess. Before the inventions, so before these things were invented, what did people use? Toothbrush. Um, hmm, what did people use? Their finger? This doesn't seem like it would work that well. Wool moistened with honey. What is that going to do? I don't know. <laughs> that sounds uh, like, I mean, that's like making more like sugar on your teeth. What about toothpaste? Uh, leaves. Powdered mice bones. Oh my God, are you <laughs> serious? Yep. Why? Why would somebody do that? Oh my God. This one is my favorite. Toilet tissue. Leaves. Corn cobs. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, well, literally. But I, I can, I mean, I can see it. But man, that would be uncomfortable. That would be. wiping your butt with a corn cob? <laughs> oh, awful. It would do the job, though. Yeah, I mean, I can see why they thought, like, you know, you, 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 grow, you grow the corn, you cut it, you take a knife, cut it off, cut the corn off after you boil it and everything, and then you got that corn cob left that's, you know, not good for anything. I can see why they thought to themselves, hey... This would this should work, right? To because it's you know it's it's got the fibers and it's ribbed and stuff like you know yeah I, I get it. Uh, sandpaper. Um, I don't. I, uh, rocks. Kind of crushed crushed shells on parchment. Okay. And then a toothpick. What did people use as a toothpick before the invention of the toothpick? Um, twigs. A porcupine quill. What? Now, I'm going to imagine, I'm going to imagine that that's some rich people shit right there. <laughs> right. That, that, you know, not, because porcupines aren't everywhere, and, you know, they're not easy to catch or anything like that. I'm going to guess that, that, that's, that that's what that was. It's like somebody having, like, oh, the rare porcupine, you know, because everyone else is just using their, their, fingernails or whatever basically right that's Ugh. crazy yeah pretty good though what was your favorite of those uh powdered I, mice bones oh god don't still remember i don't ever want to think about that again why would somebody like what how does that occur to a person like hey i'm gonna take this dead mouse grind up its bones and rub them on my teeth yeah, I'm mean, gonna guess they mixed it with some water and stuff like that, maybe like a like a paste. Yeah, I know, but ugh, yummy. No way, no <laughs> fucking way. Do you think it did anything? No, I don't think so either. I don't think that's helping anybody. Ugh, I'm so glad that we live in this day and age where we have toilet paper and toothpaste. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, mm. I wouldn't want to be using a corn cob. <laughs> no. Ugh. No wonder those people in those westerns always walked like that. <laughs> right? Oh, the chafing. So, uh, speaking of chafing, emotional chafing. Yes. We uh, we watched My So-Called Life. Carol, why don't you, uh, why don't you talk to us about uh, My So-Called Life? 
So this episode is, it starts out weird, in my opinion, because it starts out where Angela and Jordan are making out. Oh, yes, they are. And it doesn't seem like that's how it ended, the last episode, you know? No, yeah, that's true. It does seem to kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. It, but apparently they've been meeting in the boiler room. Mm-hmm. She explains in her voiceover that there are places in the world that are meant for things. <laughs> Which I guess is true. Right. So the boiler room is like the spot where people go to hook up at school. Oh, yeah. And um, apparently, like, nobody knows that they're doing this. and Everyone knows they're doing well, it. Yeah, everyone knows. But, like, Jordan apparently thinks they don't. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, well, his friends don't somehow. Like, uh, like uh, what's her name? Rayanne and her other friend Janice or whatever her name is. I don't know what her name is. Sharon? Sharon, yeah. Uh, they, they all, they know, and a lot of Ricky knows, a bunch of other people know, but Jordan's pals don't know. Right. So they're just, like, making out all the time, and she's supposed, when she is supposed to be doing this geometry review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, apparently she has a free hour. Why don't they do this at my school? She's failing geometry. She's failing geometry yeah. and choosing to go make out with Jordan instead of going to geometry review. Well, wouldn't you, though? Yeah, probably. See? Especially with you. Oh, okay. Um, But, yeah. But we don't get a free hour, so. No, we do not. It's not fair. Like, I didn't know this existed, and I want it. I don't even, I'm, I don't know if it does or not. Who knows? Do you think they're going an extra hour than we are? Or do you think that it's just literally they don't have as many classes? I don't know. I mean, maybe she took, she doesn't seem like the kind that would have taken extra. No. no yeah. No. I mean, and uh, the teacher's doing it fifth hour, so it seems like everybody might be free fifth hour. Like, otherwise, there would be people who couldn't come. Do you think that they're doing that instead of having lunch? Why would you give up your lunch? But, I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like you're going there instead of going on lunch. Maybe. That doesn't seem like that would be allowed. No, yeah, you're right. It's probably against some sort of regulation. Yeah, they, they have to feed us. It's required. Well, anyway, yeah, she's got, you know, it's it's a free period. And she's not, she's blowing it off so that she can blow Jordan off. Oh, my God. That's well, she's just, not, you're so crude. She's not really doing that. They're just no. making out. But. Yeah, so they're making out. And they don't talk. They, they don't, don't talk, talk they, at they, all. Yeah. Just, they just go down there and kiss. He's basically, basically, he's just like, she's a pair of lips to him. That's basically it at this point. Yeah, I mean, the episode is called Self-Esteem because it's like she has none. Yeah. Because she's just, just making out. And um, her friends are, are like, kind of calling her out on that. Like, oh yeah, hey, you know, this doesn't seem like a real relationship. Like, what, what, what else are you guys doing? And, and they didn't think that he's really, like, into her or whatever. And she's, she overheard him talking to a friend. Mm-hmm. About some concert that was coming up on Friday. Yeah. And so she lies to her friends and says, well, if he didn't want to date me, then why would he ask me to meet him at this concert? Yeah, always the smartest thing to do. (laughs) Right. And they're like, oh, well, we'll go. (laughs) (sighs) What did she expect was going to happen? Right. Why why would they invite themselves on her date, though? Uh, That is kind of true. 
It seems, I mean, that seems weird. But it does, she did make it sound sort of casual. She wasn't like, oh, we're going together or anything like that. She yeah. said, I'm going to meet him there. That's true. And when we do see the place, it looks like kind of a casual place. There's a concert going on, but there's also pool in the back. Yeah, he's playing pool. It's like, well, you know, it's like in a bar or something. Yeah. You know, it's like a live band in a bar, not like, you know, freaking Pine Knob or. So we speculated that this was a a local band. Like, obviously, it's not, you know, there's it. They they drew a good crowd. So good for them. But it's obviously not supposed to be in the guise of the show, like a famous band. Like, it's not Red Hot Chili Peppers or something like that playing at this at this venue. No, it's more like the Mad Pigs. Exactly. So I like a good local reference. <laughs> yeah, shout out. Um Okay, so the girls get there and and at first like they don't see the the guys. And I think Angela was kind of relieved. <laughs> but then her friends are like, "No, he's over there playing pool." And they expect her to like go up to him and she's like just standing there like Yeah, look at him and his loser friend. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so she she goes up to him and he like fucking ignores her. Oh yeah, he's such an ass. I mean, that was really terrible. Like, I mean, even if he didn't really want to see her or whatever, I mean, you've been making out. You should at least acknowledge that she fucking exists. Yeah, there's something wrong with this guy. I mean, he might as well have damage tattooed across his forehead because there is something wrong with this kid. Yeah. So he totally ignores her and hurts her feelings and she leaves and Rayanne goes up to him. And says, hey, you know you like her, so could you try to, like, not treat her like crap? Yeah, she's, he's like, she's not going to wait around for you forever. Mm-hmm. She's too good for you. you. You know that. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, at the, what what else is going on? Is there, like, a B-plot? Cause yes, there is. I remember it. Okay. Well, okay, so you want to get to the B-plot before we resolve it? Yeah. So the B plot is there's a new English teacher, really weird dude, <laughs> who is obsessed with Ricky for some oh, reason yeah. and wants him to join the drama club and everything. Ricky is disturbed by him in some way where, because the guy's like, he's always, he talks like <laughs> yes, <laughs> Like it's that uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you've ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the, <laughs> that English teacher where he goes, in what way is these authors' use of prison? And he just, like, just violently uh, chalks on the board, uh, you know, bars for the prison. It's hilarious. Yeah, like, why, why would anyone do that, though, really? I don't know. But he's, I think he's gay. I think it's pretty clear he's gay. There's a couple, one of the, one of the new teacher, one of the teachers is, she's got like a little crush on him. Well, I think a few of the teachers have a little crush on him. They were all talking about him. Yeah, about how cute he was and everything. He's, Which he's okay. Yeah, I mean, he's a normal. He's, he's a normal, nice looking for an old dude. He's a normal looking old guy, I guess. He's yeah. got that curly hair that some women seem to like. Yeah, I mean, he's got that like brainy, dorky Absolutely, cuteness. Yes, that's what he, that's exactly what he looks like. <laughs> so she goes and she's trying to flirt with him and everything. And he's, he's obviously, he's like a space cadet. His head is everywhere. Oh yeah. And he's kind of ignoring her, even though she's, she's coming on pretty strong. So, and I think it's, 
I think it's I, I, I think he's gay. I mean, yeah. maybe not, but I think he's gay and I think he recognizes that in Ricky as well. And that's why he's kind of interested in him. And he sees that he has like a flair for the dramatic, too. So he wants him to to go out for drama club. And he's hounding him the whole time. And Ricky's basically just like, uh, no, right. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, and leave, then, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, he says that several times. And then he's like, finally, he gets so fed up. He's like, look, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to say yes. Okay, can you accept that? Can you just leave me alone? And he just kind of nods. He's like, yeah, okay. And he's like, no. And Ricky's like, what? And he's like, I'm a teacher. No. What am I? You want me? I'm just going to say fuck off and just, you know, do whatever. No, I'm a teacher. You're a student. I'm going to try to make you do things. That's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how this works, basically. Yeah. That's funny. And so uh, Ricky finally, what happens that makes him change his mind? I don't remember. I don't. I mean, it's not like super 100% clear. I think maybe, I don't know. I think maybe Ricky kind of sees it in him too, where he's like, oh. Maybe. And, and he's like, okay, I get, I think I get what's going on here. And so he does sign up. He signs up. That's. Yeah, that's what closes out the episode. Right. I think too, it, it might have been partially influenced by what happens with Angela because. Yes. Jordan. Um, comes up to like she she goes and talks to him she finally gets a backbone yes and she you know tells him like you get a girl <laughs> she tells him you know that she's you know worth something and and that she wants him to just acknowledge that this happened and that it was real which i mean i don't think he was real. i mean i guess because he doesn't want to acknowledge it to anybody else i guess but um you know he doesn't say much she just goes off on him and it makes an impact because the next day he walks up to her in the hall and takes her hand yeah and says hey can we go somewhere so yeah. and they they kind of they walk with the hands held and it's it, that's that's kind of foreshadowed earlier in the episode because she says something about they're talking about something oh yeah rayan says oh or no d'angelo says what cuz he doesn't stroll like parade me around in the hallway holding hands like that's you know something or whatever and sharon's like yeah it is <laughs> it she's is like, yeah <laughs> it does mean something to hold hands in the hallway mm -hmm. which she's right i mean at this age obviously we're not getting married i mean you and i are never getting married apparently <laughs> according to what you say oh never say never but, but oh you're relenting now you're 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 softening well i don't know if you keep whining <laughs> But, but obviously kids our age aren't getting married, so there's no rings. The holding hands in the hallway, that's, that's the signal. Yeah. That's like a, a engagement ring or whatever to, <laughs> to older people. That's the signal to everyone. Hey, this person is now taken. Right. And yeah, it, it does mean something. For sure. And she looks so happy. Oh yeah. It's like the only time that she ever really looks happy. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've seen her smile. Yeah, she's got a very pretty smile. I'll tell you, if Claire Dan, Danes, Danes, yeah. Danes, if Claire Danes has a career past this show, uh, I think she she might be typecast as the depressed person. You think? I, I hope not, but that's that's a possibility. She does have an ugly cry. Oh God, yes, she does. I mean, I've not seen anyone who has such an ugly cry, not even in real life. Yeah, yeah, that that face that she makes <laughs> when she cries, it's, it's... 
It's something. It's something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something to behold. Uh, so. But speaking of something to behold. Well, hello, everybody. It is future Mark and future Carol here. Hey, what's up? We're married now. And because of that, every once in a while, you know, on my birthday and sometimes right around Christmas, we get engagements. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and... I think our times together are going to be uh, so much more exciting and invigorating now because uh, of Manscaped. Manscaped.com. It is kind of amazing how much, like, better it smells. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it was great before, but, oh, my gosh, he smells so good and everything's so smooth now. Yeah, so Manscaped. I'm telling you, I've never manscaped before. But we, I use the the lawnmower 2.0. We, <laughs> what is that? What it's really called? That's what it's called. <laughs> That's funny. So I, <laughs> I got the perfect package 2.0. It comes with the lawnmower 2.0. It comes with a very stylish uh, antimicrobial underwear. Uh, it says manscaped right on it. It's great. And it comes with the, the spritzer, just kind of freshen you up a little bit. And it comes with the ball deodorant, which, as Carol pointed out, is fantastic. I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've noticed this, Carol, because I usually try to do this in private time. <laughs> but not in a sexy way, but in a just like kind of satisfying way. I touch, I'm touching myself a lot more <laughs> down, down in that area because it's so smooth. It just, it feels, the skin... The, like the lotion, I don't know if it's got some sort of uh, rejuvenating uh, properties or, or what either, but it just it feels so so youthful. Even though I'm 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 blossoming into my youth again now. <laughs> yeah, I I really haven't noticed you um, touching yourself, but uh, I don't blame you because it, it is smooth. Yeah, it's just it's very nice and and it really it, it's a perfect gift. So if you go to manscaped.com and use our promo code LATEFEE, that's all caps, L-A-T-E-F-E-E, you're going to get a, you're going to get a perfect package 2.0 like I got. You're going to get 20% off. You're going to just love going, uh, shaving your goods there, and uh, and your partner is going to, uh, to thank you for it as well. And ladies, let me tell you, Christmas is coming, and this is a gift for both of you. Absolutely. So yeah, get a, get this gift. If you're, if you're a lady out there listening, get get this gift for your uh, your your husband. Do and, yourself a favor. And guys, you can finally say this, and it doesn't sound like an insult. How would you like to suck my butt? <laughs> that would still sound like an insult. No, no, no. It's it's although it's, I kind of do all the time. <laughs> Go to manscaped.com. Uh, use our, our our code late fee. Get twenty percent off. And be the best ball looker she can be. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, uh, now back to the past. We saw a film this this week. Yeah. As is tradition. I liked it more than you did, I think. Oh, you think so? I think so. Yeah, I think you did. But, I, I mean, I still didn't love it. It's Star Trek Generations. The next generation is is over. Obviously, that show has has flown the way of the Condor named the USS Enterprise, and now they're flying off into feature films. So I don't know if this is going to be their only feature film, 
tell you what, they need some work. <laughs> and William Shatner comes along for part of the ride. Basically, it's it, it figures as a handing of the torch. Yeah. But what I think is funny is the beginning of this movie, it sets the tone right away, and it's not great. <laughs> we see an object floating through space, and we close up on it, close up, close up on it, and we see that it's a bottle of champagne floating in space, and it's crashing against the you know the hull of this the ship, the Enterprise B. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. They're it, they're what do they, what do they call it when they do that to ship christening christening it? But it's not it's not epic in any way. It's so mundane. It's like the most mundane thing in the world, and it's not shot in any kind of exciting way. You're just you're watching credits, and you're just watching this thing listlessly move through space, only to crash and explode, which is basically a metaphor for the movie. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, Kirk is there with Scotty and uh, not Chekhov, or it is Chekhov, yeah, and it's clear. That it's supposed to be Bones and Spock. The mm-hmm. way it's written, because Chekhov at one point, you know, says he he he's going to do triage, like medical triage, which obviously is supposed to be Bones. Right. And then Scotty, you know, does some scientific, you know, thing or whatever, what a science officer might do, which obviously should be Spock. But from what I hear, neither one of them wanted to be in this because it's basically a glorified cameo. And they thought it was kind of beneath them. Hmm. And those are the three most important characters from the original the original series and the original movies. Okay. So it would make sense for them for it to be those three. Right. But they obviously couldn't get the other two. So uh the dude from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is there. And yeah, speaking of Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is 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 the captain of the Enterprise B. They are going on a just a little jaunt. One thing I think is interesting is it's the first time that we actually see the like we see reporters uh, in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, which is interesting. But they're they're there. It's a publicity stunt. Kirk's the old the old captain's there. He's retired now, and it's basically like, hey, let's see off the new crew. Kirk's obviously not necessarily really happy about it. The his the his entire character arc through all the movies was his need to command the Enterprise. Yeah. That that's the only, as Spock says, you know, commanding a starship is your first best destiny. And, you know, that, so he, it's clear he wants to, to take charge. Right. And they're, they're going out, they're supposed to go on a short jaunt to Pluto and back, basically, inside the solar system. I mean, I know it's a publicity stunt or whatever, mm-hmm. but it just seems kind of pointless. Like, like, why not have just waited? Yeah, absolutely. I know. But... They get a distress call. There's a, sh- a cargo ship or whatever. Not cargo ship, but they're, they're ca- carrying passengers. Uh, refugees, I believe, from uh, Bajor. Uh, they, they're they carrying them. And because we, actually we learn, and yeah, they are refugees now that I think about it. We learn in Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV show, that the Bajoran's home planet was destroyed by the Borg. That's where Guinan's from. Mm-hmm. And these are refugees from that, apparently, although they don't know of the Borg in, at this point in time. But, you know, they're, they're in distress, right? So uh, Cameron says, hey, we're not equipped. 
we're going to have to send somebody else to do it. Guy goes, we're the only ones in range. They're in the fucking solar system. They're at Earth's doorstep. They're basically right there outside of Earth. How is there no other ship in yeah, range? It does not make sense. There should be like thousands of ships all around the area. It's the headquarters for for Starfleet. Right. It makes no sense. But uh, I know it's a contrivance that they always do. So they go to try to help. And Cameron's really shit in the bed on this one. He's not doing a good job. There's two ships there. They're caught in some weird ribbon. And they can't get too close or they'll get sucked in themselves. You know, there's there's different, like, he's like, oh, we could try this. And no, that's not going to work. Cameron's like, I don't know what to do, basically. He looks at Kirk and he's like, I could really use your help. Kirk the whole time is, he's there, he's like ready to pounce, but then he's like holding himself back because he's yeah. like, no, this is not, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. That had to be really hard. You can see him trying to, to restrain himself. And then finally, uh, when Cameron's like, hey, you know, I could use your help. He's like, all right, well, let's do this. And <laughs> like, he's like, Scotty, you know, can we do this? And Scotty's like, hey, you know, yeah, let's fire these photon, photon torpedoes. And he's like, oh, those aren't, won't be installed till Tuesday. <laughs> it's like everything isn't going to be here till Tuesday. Right, which is like, why bother taking the ship out before you're ready to take the ship out? Yeah, exactly. So they, they finally figure out something that they can do using the deflector dish or something like that. Uh, one of the things explodes, kills a bunch of refugees, and then they uh, Scotty beams them aboard. Mm, beam me up, Scotty. Right, he gets them. He gets close enough to be able to beam them up, and uh, I guess Kirk's down in the engineering using the deflector dish in some way to to help protect them. I don't I don't remember exactly how, what the techno babble about it was, but he gets uh, some of them over, including Guinan, and. And Malcolm McDowell, who's the villain of this uh, of this movie, yeah. And the they then they turn away to go home, and this ribbon, which we later learn is called the Nexus, uh, apparently is super vengeful because it lashes out at the ship and strikes it on the opposite side <laughs> of what of what's facing it, just so it can kill Kirk. What? If you look when the ship's turning, mm-hmm. the little tendril that comes out of the the nexus that hits the ship goes around to the other side of the ship weird instead, I did of, not just, instead that. of just hitting the side of the ship that it was on now i mean they could have obviously fixed that by just having the ship turned the other way right but they don't so anyway there's a big hole in the ship and everything they come down there kirk's gone presumed dead oh no kirk died you know like being heroic on the Enterprise one last time. Right. So then we fast forward, and it's 78 years later, and it's the crew of the Enterprise playing make-believe, which is their favorite thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, it is. In the holodeck on an old-style ship, and Worf is finally becoming a lieutenant commander after years of of being a lieutenant. Yay, Worf. And he, uh, uh, Riker, basically, in a very dickish move, is like, remove the plank, and the plank goes away, and the wharf falls into the water. And Data's like, why is that funny? And they're like, oh, you know, it's just like a prank. It's unexpected and everything. And and Dr. Crusher's all like, you know, hey, you got to get in the spirit of things. It's it's just like an unexpected thing, and it's really funny. He's like, you know what I mean? 
And he goes, yeah. And then he pushes her over the side. Which I think was hilarious. And then everybody looks at him like, oh, my God, Data, that wasn't funny. You're such an asshole. What right? the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like they know he's trying to learn how to become human and stuff. They don't give him any leeway. None. It, apparently, it's like after seven years or whatever of living with this dude, they're like, we're just fucking done with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Data. So uh, Dr. Crush doesn't want to talk to him. Which may I'm I'm sorry, but that's that's a really bitchy. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't really fit her character, in my opinion, either. So he uh, he's like, this basically makes him think, like, hey, you know that emotion ship that we got out of my my brother and everything lore. I, maybe I want to put that on. Maybe I want to install that in my neural net. And Jordy's like, ooh, ooh, that might not be a good idea, man. Right. <laughs> and he says, no, no, I want to emote more in my acting. Brent Spiner says that. <laughs> uh, so they, they put it in, and he becomes the most annoying asshole ever. Yeah. His character is fucking awful with that thing in. <laughs> He's just laughing uncontrollably, the stupidest humor, Mr. Tricorder, you know, uh, all this, my little life forms, all this stuff. <laughs> Oh, so stupid. Yeah, it's kind of like he's drunk. And then at one point, it like he you can see he's in distress. Like he's laughing. And then his face just like everything wrinkles. And it looks like he's going to explode. Because the, the emotion chip has overcome his neural net. Right. So it gets fused to him and it can't be removed yet. And he's, he's upset that it can't be removed. Uh, so... I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm, you know, going... You're down, fine. Going down Data's road. But <laughs> anyway, uh, the Enterprise, they get, a, they get a distress call. Oh, uh, Picard gets a personal call. Oh, yeah, this is so sad. He goes in and talks. It turns out that his brother, his sister-in-law, and his son, uh, who we met in family, which was that episode after, after the Borg. So... You know, that was that was a really well written episode, a good episode, and a the perfect episode after Best of Both Worlds. So uh, Best of Both Worlds was I think it was season three's finale. Okay. And, and then Best of Both Worlds Part Two was season four's first episode, the because it was a cliffhanger. And that was the Borg where he was taken uh Picard was taken by the Borg. Then the next episode was Family, where he's it, it all it has to do all with, with different crew members, families like Worf, uh, you know, his adoptive parents are in this episode and everything. They're basically, they're all taking a break after the, you know, the stuff with the Borg. Right. Well, Picard's, you know, on the vineyard, the Picard vineyard, with his brother, and, you know, who's like an asshole to him, and the his son, the guy's son, and, uh, you know, his, his sister-in-law. And it's a real, like, it's, it's a very, it's like a slow, but it's a character episode. There's not... It's not big action. It's a very nice valley after Best of Both Worlds. And so we learned that the, all those people died in a fire. Yeah. It's so awful. It is so awful. And he, and he doesn't want to tell anybody. Like, he's just trying to act like everything is cool. Yeah, you know, it's and it, it, it ignores a lot of the character growth that Picard had throughout the, the series. Yeah. Because at first he was really closed off never wanted to talk to anybody about anything hated kids like they basically it was so weird that they made him like this dick at yeah. the beginning of the of the show and then he softened 
you know, so much over the years to where the culmination of the entire show was him uh, sitting down to play cards with the other people. <laughs> like that, that was like the fruition of his character. Right. Is to join them for a game of cards. So it, I think it ignores some of that growth because I think he'd say something to at least Troy, if not uh, like Troy Riker and and Crusher, the Beverly Crusher. Those were like those are like his confidants. Yeah, I think he'd say something to one of them for honestly. sure. So you know he's obviously upset about all this stuff, and they get a distress call from a a space station. That's, you know, been torn to shit. So they go there, they find some survivors. One of the survivors is Malcolm McDowell, who we saw earlier. Uh, he's a Bajoran, just like Guinan is. And he comes onto the ship. Guinan sees him. She's kind of like, mm, I don't like this. I don't like the look <laughs> of this dude. She knew. I recognize this guy. Yeah. So he says that, you know, they the Romulans came and they were tearing shit up and he doesn't know why. So they go down to investigate and it's it's Jordy and Data, and they're literally looking around, scanning stuff. Malcolm McDowell comes down there, and he's like, he knocks out Jordy, and then Data gets scared. Data's just like cowering. He's like, don't hurt me, don't mm-hmm. hurt me. Yeah, it was it was pretty pathetic to watch. Yeah, for an officer. So he grabs he grabs Jordy and like basically fucks off. He he gets picked up by I can't remember their names. But they were on the next generation too at some point. It's the Klingon sisters. Yeah. I can't remember their names though. Me either. But they've got a, a Kia of prey, a little like uh, bird of prey. It's a small little little Klingon ship. Uh, so anyway, they they um, they pick him up, and it becomes clear that you know he talks to him and everything. He's like. You know, hey, the Romulans came looking for that trilithium stuff because he's working with trilithium, which apparently is powerful enough to where if you shoot it into a sun, it can stop the fusion within the sun. So it basically destroys the sun. Wow. And he launches one and destroys the sun. Enterprise has got to get the fuck out of there. So I get out of there fast, and Jordy is missing. They don't know where he is. Data kind of tells him what's going on. He wants to be decommissioned right now. Uh, but Picard's like, no, I need you. So he goes to this giant map room, and he's like, hey, you know, what's going on? And Guinan tells, Guinan tells Picard, she's like, hey, so this dude, you know, he was on this ship, the one that killed Kirk, you know, she's like, hey, the beginning of the movie, did you see it? That, that was <laughs> That's what I'm talking to you about. Basically. And she says that he, this is Nexus place. So it's a place... It's the, the way she describes it sounds like heaven. Yeah. It's basically, whatever you want it to be, you control everything. There's no time. It's completely timeless. It's like it's like a paradise. Yeah. And they were in it when that ribbon was going through those ships. And, you know, they got out. They got beamed out away from it. And the rest of those people stayed in there. And Malcolm McDowell wants to get back there. She's like, I wanted to get back there. Yeah. Like, she's like, I... I did everything I could to try to get back there. But, you know, I, I realized eventually that it was never going to happen, and I lived with it, and Malcolm McDowell, he can't live with it. It's so it's so messed up. But, I mean, I would imagine it would be really hard being basically ripped from heaven. Right. What, what would your, what would your um, 
heaven or your nexus be, do you think? Mm, interesting. So, I mean, obviously you'd be there. Aww. And, I mean, I honestly, having you there, I think, would be... So, maybe, like, a beach? You know, a beach with, uh, you know, like, clear, clear, warm water, you know, sun... Uh, like a little beach house. It sounds nice. Yeah, I think that would. I think that would be, would be it for me. I've always kind of wanted to live on the beach. Huh. Yeah, I think that would be pleasant. Interesting. But still in a city somehow. Okay. Like, like, like you know, you drive ten minutes and and it's you know you're you're I mean not necessarily like a giant metropolis but like the suburbs like us right like a civilized area. Okay. It's like you drive ten minutes and like you know the, everything's there. Right. Yeah, I always kind of want. So I guess like Malibu, Ma- like Malibu, California would be a good example of that. Ooh, Malibu. Yeah. I want to I wanna go there. I'll tell you, I've thought about going to college Pepper- at Pepperdine. Pepperdine's oh, yeah. in Malibu, California. Yeah. <laughs> Let's apply. It's expensive, but yeah. Whatever. Not easy to get into either. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, he wants to get back there and... He destroyed the star. So they figure out that destroying the star changed where the where the ribbon's moving, the Nexus ribbon. Okay. It's moving it. So he says he's you know, Soren Sor that's his name, Soren. Soren's moving it to this planet. That's Malcolm McDowell's character. He's moving it to a planet to where he can get, you know, like he's gonna destroy another star and the Nexus is gonna go on the planet and then he's gonna get there and Data says the obvious question, why doesn't he take a starship uh, in there or like a shuttlecraft or something like that? And Picard's like, oh, you know, every shuttle or, or spaceship that's gotten closer has been destroyed. My question is, who fucking cares? <laughs> if you're Malcolm McDowell, it's like, who cares? Right. I don't take a shuttlecraft, fly into the Nexus, get beamed in there and let that shuttle get destroyed. What do you care? For sure. Because, like, okay, so I don't understand how this works. Like, does your soul or whatever get sucked in there, your body's going to die? He shouldn't care because that's what had happened to him before. I don't even think that's the case, though, because, you know, they came out physically from the Nexus with their bodies intact. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You're right. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's dumb. He should easily be, it's it's a giant plot hole in this movie. One of many. (laughs) <laughs> oh i know you 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 really it's you this need movie is infuriating nitpick <laughs> but this movie's infuriating for it i know so anyway soren goes to this planet he's gonna like uh destroy this thing and everything and so picard so first of all they had captured Jordy. uh soren turned him over to the the people and apparently uh he messed with his little visor thing so that they could see it like like a camera, mm. like like uh, you know like they got vision from like he's got a camcorder in his face right. basically, and he's like, so they say, hey, we we we've got your your engineer dude, we're not giving him back to you, and Picard says, why don't uh, I I'll be your prisoner, but send Jordy back, mm-hmm. and she's like, okay, you know we'll do that, and he says, okay, but first send me down to Soren. And then, you know, I'll be your prisoner. So it's like, what? <laughs> they, he, then they're not going to have him because they're just be he's beaming down to Soren. Like, it's why would they agree to this? It's so stupid. Yeah. 
But I mean, I guess I kind of get it because they want Jordy back on the ship. So they beam Jordy over to the ship, and then I can see everything through him, and through his eyes, and they see the whatever the shield modulation, so they know what what to set their their phasers at. It will just go right through their shields. So it just goes through their shields and starts to fuck them up and everything, and then and then uh, Worf basically says to Riker, "Hey, all those things were recalled because you know it's like the the Pinto if you hit the the back of it, you know, real hard." It explodes or whatever. It makes a cloak. Their shields go down and everything. So they they add, they 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 techno babble their way into destroying it. They kill they kill the those two women and you know everything's good with them. But their <laughs> ship's fucked up because it got severely damaged. Right. So a Troy or yeah Troy takes the uh, the helm. She takes the wheel and just like a female driver crashes it into the planets. <laughs> Not cool, man. I am a better driver than you. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah, you think so? Okay. <laughs> I do. That's what happens. She she crashes into the planet with this uh, with the starship. Uh, Enterprise is fucked beyond repair. But they got everyone out. Everyone's cool and, and, and good. Meanwhile, back on the planet, Picard's trying to stop Soren. And, like, Soren is handling him so easily. Picard looks so old and out of, like, just... <laughs> Just completely out of his depth. Yeah. So it you know, Soren's plan works. He destroys the fucking star. Uh somehow the supernova from this uh gets doesn't get there before the Nexus gets there. I don't know how. Uh but the supernova from the star exploding uh destroys the planet. You know, it it, it takes its time. It's it's mm-hmm. it's respectful. It's one of those respectful explosions. <laughs> And so the ribbon gets there, sucks them in, presumably also sucks in the people on the Enterprise. Is hmm. my guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so anyway, they go in there, and Guinan's in there, and she's like, "Hey, I'm a, I'm an echo, echo, echo of Guinan, because uh, you know Guinan was here before. Part of her is always going to be here, uh, and that part is me." Um, and he's like, "Cool." So. She's like, "Hey, this is whatever you want. It's heaven. Enjoy." And in in his in Picard's heaven, he's got like fifteen kids. With <laughs> he does this, have a lot with this English wife. It's Christmas. Uh, he sees like a light bulb that looks like an exploding star, or exploding star, and basically that's saying to him, "Hey, you know, you got you got bigger fish to fry here, buddy." Right. So he sees that his wife had paired uh, a red wine with chicken. For or turkey for the uh, Christmas dinner, and he was like, "Oh, that is not correct. This is not heaven at all." <laughs> so he says to Guinan, "I need to get out of here." She goes, "Well, you can go wherever you want. You can go at any point in in any point in the universe <laughs> at any time you want to." And just like in any other time travel movie, he says, "Oh, I know exactly where I want to go. Let me go five minutes before." <laughs> before the thing I need to stop happens. Instead of saying, can I go back uh, like a week and then tell my brother and uh, his wife and son not to play with candles in the middle of the house? And, right? uh, and, and then also uh, find Soren on the, this place I know he's going to be before the Romulans get there and stop him? No, he doesn't say that. He's like five minutes before, but I'm going to need some help. <laughs> And she says, oh, I might know someone that can help you. Because guess what? Kirk's in here, too. 
Yep. So he goes and finds Kirk, who is, it should have been Carol Marcus, by the way, who's with some woman named Antonia in <laughs> uh, his house. He's retired, uh, but he ends up going back to Starfleet, and then that destroys their relationship and everything because he has this need to be in Starfleet and to be on the Enterprise, and that destroys every relationship he's ever had. Uh, that, I mean, that's his character arc, basically, his obsession. Yeah. So that that makes sense, but it should have been Carol Marcus uh, that that uh, that he was with instead of some woman named Antonia that we never met and don't have any feeling or caring of. So anyway, he's making eggs, uh, some sort of weird alien eggs, because it can't just be regular eggs. It's got to be you know these giant, weirdly colored alien eggs. Right. We're in space. Well, we are. Well, I mean, we're in Iowa, or wherever <laughs> the fuck we are in. In this and, and the Nexus, but so he starts cooking. Well, this one thing I thought was really funny too. It's a very it, it shows the difference in their characters. So Kirk's got his hand right on this the 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 um handle of this pan, and he's stirring the eggs and everything. He's like, "Hey, hold this for a second. I gotta get this spice." And uh, Picard grabs it and he goes, "Ooh," because <laughs> it's hot. Right. It's so funny to me. It's like, yeah, Kirk, that was is, cute. Kirk is way tougher than you. See, this is actually like my favorite part of the movie is like seeing them interact and stuff. Yeah, this part is is fine. But he basically convinced him. He's like, hey, you know, you're dead or well, you're not dead, but this is not real where we are right now. And uh, you you have a chance to matter again. Uh, come with me and, and we can stop soaring together with. Uh, two 70-year-old men uh, will beat one 70-year-old man there you in go. the middle of the hot Arizona desert. Why not? So they they go down there, and, you know, they work together, and they, they fuck him up. <laughs> and Picard ends up locking the, the missile onto the pad, so, you know, it's not going anywhere. And Kirk ends up getting killed. He dies... Uh, on the bridge heroically, but not the bridge of the Enterprise, just a normal fucking bridge that yeah. falls <laughs> down and really fucks him up. And then Picard uh, piles some rocks over his body and is like, eh, that's good enough. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's a really lame ending for a very epic character, and that's another big misstep in this movie. Yeah. So then they, uh, you know, they go back to the Enterprise and Picard says something like, oh, you know, Soren said the time is like a hunter and all that shit. But I think it's like a friend just, you know, just with you there to remind <laughs> you that, you know, one day you'll die. So take <laughs> so take advantage of every moment that, you, that you've got. And it's okay that that cute little kid is dead. And I shouldn't have come back a week earlier. I, you know, it's, it's okay. It's so it's so weird. It is very weird. But that's basically the end of the movie, and yeah, then the the well, we're gonna come back again, and hopefully a better film. Yeah, well, we'll see. It was not good. You no, know, the thing is, like, I I really love the next generation. Me too. And you know, I was really looking forward to this, and it was it was kind of disappointing. I know they've only had one movie so far, but. As far as the TV show, I think the next generation is better than the original series. Yeah, for I know, sure. I know a lot of dorks out there are going to be like, "Oh, blasphemy!" But <laughs> it's true. The next generation is a better show. I mean, my mom is a Trekkie, mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, she she loved it, and I'm sure there are people that are just going to love it no matter what uh, that are Trekkies, but right. You know, I mean, she has like a life size cutout of Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Well, the Next Generation's a better show, but the the original series did better movies. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I know only one's come out yet so far, and you know they've got a chance to to make up for it, I suppose. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to make another one. This movie's doing well at the box office, which mm-hmm. is is you know not surprising. So I'm going to guess they're going to make another one. But yeah, I just they, they they need to do a much better job next time around. Yeah, just a better story. They need a better story. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean that's 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 basically it. So we will end this episode as we end every episode with our blockbuster pick of the week. Carol, this week we are recommending getting even with Dad. Yeah. There wasn't a whole hell of a lot to choose from. <laughs> no. This is a Macaulay Culkin Ted Danson piece that has to do with Macaulay Culkin's dad is Ted Danson. He's a con man or a, a crook. A crooklyn. A crooklyn. Kind of guy. Like, yeah, Brooklyn. And he's stealing some coins, and Macaulay Culkin's like, oh, I'm going to take those coins. And uh, spend time with me. I'll give you a coin for everything that we do together. And then, you know, then we'll bond. That's the movie. Mm. So, I don't know. Check that out if you want. Yeah, if you if you like Macaulay Culkin, I guess. It's It's fine. It's better than this movie that we just saw. <laughs> yeah, that's not that hard. But yeah, it's it's a fine it's a fine movie. It's eh, I don't know. But anyway, Carol, take us home. All right. Well, everybody, keep doing what you're doing. Listen and and uh, you know write us mm-hmm. at um, late fee nineteen ninety four at aol dot com. Yeah. And um, tell your friends. Tell them all. Give us some stars. We need the stars. Do you like content? (laughs) (laughs) I like content. All right. I like your content. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, we will see you next week then. Bye. Bye.